and welcome to another episode of Industry Celebrities. My name is Kimberly Scott. Industry Celebrities is a podcast where I interview industry professionals in any industry, and I ask them questions about their industry and or their passions. Plus, my guests will give us a little advice to their younger self. If you want to tune into other episodes, you can do so by going to thatkimberly.com to choose which platform to listen to, either iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and now Amazon Alexa. Now I'd like to welcome today's guest, Mr. Mike Wolber. Hi, Mike. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. So tell our guests a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from and what industry you're in. Awesome. Yeah. So my name is Mike Wolber. I'm the vice president of business development and I work for a company called G5. We're a digital marketing company that's exclusively focused on serving the real estate industry. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, here down the road. But I actually got my career started working for Nike. So I spent my, the first five and a half years of my career working at the world headquarters up in Beaverton, which is just outside of Portland, Oregon. So I've largely been focused on all things technology, systems, sales, and marketing for the last nine and a half years. Wow. So did you get your Nike job right out of college? Yeah, I was, I was one of the lucky folks to actually get recruited out of school. So 14 days after graduating, my initial plan was to be a, a UPS driver. I've always <laughs> liked short shorts and the idea of work-life balance and went from more of a lifestyle to jumping all in as a senior analyst working for Nike, which is where I eventually met my wife and now mother to my two children. But it was a really fun and, and lucky kind of kickoff to a super successful and fun career. Was Nike as cool as, as everyone think it would be to work for? It is. I mean, it's, it's hard not to be inspired when you're surrounded by world-class athletes <laughs> and, you know, a, a super good company culture. I think yeah. the, the thing for me being a, you know, a millennial in the workforce and a title I'm proud to carry is that <laughs> uh, it was a huge company, you know, 36,000 worldwide, not including the factory workforce and really wanting to be a change agent and, and really be someone who could help bring a company to the next level. Uh, after five or six years, I got to the point where I felt like I was, you know, a cog in the wheel, not in a bad way, but I was doing my, my work, but I wasn't necessarily helping Nike go from level B to the next level. And that's yeah. where the desire really came for me to step into the technology space, tap into my background, being largely focused on systems and technology at Nike, but also being able to work for a smaller company where I could be part of leveling up the company and helping it grow and, and get to that next level. So is that how you came to be into the apartment industry? Or how did yeah, you come so, to be in the apartment industry, I should say? Yeah, it's a good question. So G5 is focused on serving commercial real estate. And the three verticals or, or industries that we serve are multifamily or apartment, senior living, uh, otherwise sometimes referred to as senior housing, yeah. and then self-storage, which is actually how we got our start. Mm -hmm. And when I looked for technology companies in Bend, Oregon, which is really where we wanted to start raising a family, there weren't that many options to choose from back in 2015. And G5 was the top of the Google search page. So I guess we were at least doing our job <laughs> right with our website. <laughs> and I've had a really successful and fun four years here. In my roles that I've had at the company, I've been fortunate to always serve all of the industries versus being industry specific. But I have spent a lot of that time in multifamily working with our customers, our future customers, and then being an active evangelist for G5 with industry speaking at various events and conferences as well. 
Well, that's always fun. Industry speaking is something that I wish I'd have done more. I'd have been more apt to doing. So good for you for getting out there and jumping right into that role. Cause I know it's hard. Yeah, it's been fun, fun to push myself for sure. And I, I really believe in, you know, trying to get comfortable being un, uncomfortable as much of a cliche as that is. And for <laughs> me, that's always been, been public speaking. So what do you enjoy the most about our industry? You know, there's, there's a lot I actually really enjoy. I, I find that the multifamily apartment industry specifically is really craving growth. And there's a lot of, I'd say there's just a big positive appetite for innovation in the industry, mm-hmm. even though I think a lot of folks that are in apartment in the apartment industry would probably say they feel like they're behind other industries that we <laughs> tend to look up to, whether that yeah. be hospitality or e-commerce. But based on your background, Kim, I'd, I'd assume you would, would agree with that statement. Yes. <laughs> they're craving it. They, they seek it. Just sometimes they're a little bit slow to adapt to it. Yeah. And, and I think because of that, I, I really have fallen in love with this opportunity that I have personally, but the G5 as an organization has to really be part of the change agent for helping bring education and inspiration to the industry. And I'd say my favorite part of the role is is being at the forefront of that transformation. I work really closely with a lot of our strategic partners and alliances, so other companies that we do business with, and really being able to help pioneer education and bring innovation, making it more accessible to the industry and seeing it change so rapidly has been really fun, but also motivating for me. Yeah. It is. Looking back, because you said you're a millennial, and I am not. I'm of Generation X. Looking back to the days when the industry was not on Facebook, (laughs) didn't know what a business Facebook page was, Uh, didn't even know what YouTube was. It's been a fun ride just to see the evolution. You know, thanks to Facebook, you know, we definitely get those memories popping up. Today, I think I saw in a meme about one of the first cell phones that I ever had, not the big brick ones, one of the small- Nokia. Nokia, one of those first Nokias back in the day. They said, if you were in this generation, you know, do you remember this phone or who had one of these? I was like, yep, that was me. So fun to see how. Oh, yeah. I remember the Nokia phone. My favorite thing about the Nokia was being able to play Snake. Do you remember that little game where you'd use the arrows to chase chase the little piece of food and (laughs) you'd get the tail as long as possible and try not to touch yourself? Yes, yes. (laughs) It's like the first. First app. It's almost like it was the first app or first gaming. Yes, for cell phones. And there's Tetris. Like when there we when, go. Yeah, Tetris. It was one of the first games similar. You're right. It's apps. It was one of the first app game, if you will, that was included in the the cell phone service. Exactly. So you know, I'm always intrigued by anyone who comes into the apartment space from a company like that. Let me ask this question: What was it like to go from a corporate company as big as Nike to a you know, to G5, which at the time when you came along was, was not a startup anymore, but I knew them back in the day when they were a startup. What did that feel and look like? Yeah, yeah I, it's funny. It's a good question. It's actually, it was one of the things I had to like kind of soul search on before making the career change because I knew it was going to be a big shift for me. And mm-hmm. Kimberly, I'd, I'd say one of the biggest differences was just the pace of growth. So mm-hmm. when I joined G5 in 2015, we had about 150 employees nationally. And now we're getting ready to crack 300 employees. We're at about 280 right now. Uh-huh. And that growth, I mean, comes with a lot of change, change management, and, and change can be hard. However, I'd also say that one of the biggest differences that I've felt and, and really seen, but also really appreciated is that 
at Nike, I think largely the, the company would have said that they were consumer obsessed and really focused on the consumer. But the consumer always felt pretty far away. Even though we all wore Nike shoes or backpacks or t-shirts, that immersion in the customer wasn't, wasn't nearly as close, you know, in my role focusing on analytics and systems. Mm-hmm. Whereas coming to G5, we are all about the customer. And we really make it a point to spend as much time as possible with our customers, no matter what size they are to G5. And really seeing our company, our culture, our technology, our product, our marketing, our message, really be wrapped around what makes the customer tick has been something that I've really appreciated, but also really learned from. Because to me, I've really been able to understand areas where we're doing it well, but also areas where we're we're missing the mark. And so there's an aspect of almost being customer obsessed that I'd, I'd say that I've really sounds to be motivating, energizing, but also a really unique thing about G5, which is why I'm so grateful to call it home from a career standpoint. Well, it speaks a lot of G5 and our industry that you stayed, you know, that going from a big company like Nike to a company of G5 size and totally different type of industry that the right culture was there for you to stay. You know, it it made a effect on you. I feel like anybody in our space that isn't customer focused is doing a disservice. I agree. (laughs) That could be a whole other podcast another day. It totally could. (laughs) You know, and listening to the customer, the client, resident, whoever they're servicing, and both at the same time, you're doing a disservice if you're not listening to those that are paying your bills. (laughs) I agree. In my PC words, I should say. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you mentioned something earlier, and, and I, I did a little LinkedIn stalking, that you do triathlons or Ironman. I do. That's awesome yeah. and very intimidating. What got you into that pastime? Yeah, it's an interesting story because at this point in my life, I think I'm kind of just perceived as being an athletic endurance junkie. But people that knew me, you know, maybe back in high school or early college knew a very different Mike Holber. And so in the summer of 2005, I was working for Best Buy, specifically I was working in the Geek Squad doing computer sales, which is really how I developed such a passion for blending technology with sales, which is ultimately my role now. And I started playing this game that you may or may not know, but I bet a bunch of your listeners will know called World of Warcraft. Oh, yes. And it absolutely fueled kind of a lot of the components that for me make me tick. So there was an aspect of being social because I was able to connect with real and virtual friends online with those big clunky headsets. Mm -hmm. I was able to tap into my competitive nature because the game was very competitive in terms of leveling up and some of those kinds of things. And I was able to do it on my own time. So I, I was able to kind of make it fit. But being such a competitive guy over the course of about two and a half years, I went from being, you know, a fit athlete in high school to gaining about 75 pounds and really <laughs> focusing exclusively on going to college and playing video games. Oh, wow. So what happened is in 2007, I had a bit of a wake up call. I was driving back home to Alaska, where I'm from for the summer mm-hmm. from college in Portland. And I threw away a couple thousand dollar video game computer, literally threw it away and told all of my friends and family in Alaska that I was going to lose 50 pounds that summer. And rather than having a lunch break during my nine to five job that I was interning at, I joined a gym and I did an hour of exercise every day and didn't quite hit the 50 pound goal that summer. But a year later, I had lost about 75 pounds. And 
long story short, when I started working for Nike, I'd kind of rediscovered an identity and Mm -hmm. had a crush on this girl named April, who's now my wife. And she was a runner. And I thought that if I was to start running, it might impress her. I have no idea why I thought that would work. But then my competitive nature, it it, It it, it totally worked. (laughs) But I will say that, you know, my competitive nature once again kicked in working for Nike. We served the runner. I mean, that's the DNA of Nike's culture. And I really got into running and eventually decided to add something to it, which was swimming and biking. And fast forward, I've now completed three Ironman triathlons. I've done Wow. Uh, about six or seven half Ironmans in a lot of the local Olympic races. And it's fun. I'm a data-driven guy and there's a lot mm-hmm. of data when it comes to triathlon, but I also like to exercise in the free time. So it just kind of works. It works for who I am. Wow. That's great. That's amazing. I couldn't even imagine, you know, I get out of breath with my 5k walk, let alone putting swimming and cycling and everything else together with it. But I know if I really put my mind to it, I probably could. It's not something that I feel I have the energy for right now. So yeah, <laughs> you never well, know when it comes, really, it comes. Exactly. Where there's a will, there's a way, but yeah. without the will, there's no way. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that for sure. Yeah. So with that statement where there's a will, there's a way, what advice would you give to your younger self? So I'm really excited to talk through this with you and I'll be curious to kind of hear your take on what I have to say because I actually thought about this the most leading into our conversation today. So I've invested a lot of my time professionally and personally into developing my soft skills. And so I really believe in the art and science of storytelling. I really believe in the importance of having a strong personal brand and spent a lot of my time really making sure that I push myself to become more and to become better in that side of how I present and how I communicate, how I tap into connecting with peers or supervisors or customers. And I think the soft skills side of of me is, is pretty well developed considering the duration I've had in my career so far. Mm-hmm. But as I reflect, and really think about my younger self, but also look at the industry that we're in today in technology. You look at some of the fastest growing fields or the fastest growing roles within the tech sector. And over the past two years, we've seen development. So thinking about engineering, we've seen business analytics, we've seen data science really start to outpace sales and marketing. And what you're starting to see is that the industry is really craving those hard skills of going and really learning how to master a coding language or learning how to do copywriting really, really well. And I think if I was to go back and and do it over, not that I I can't invest the time in this stuff now with resources like Codecademy and things like that, I would have just picked one really specific technical skill and mastered it. And rather than just being generally capable of learning and, and doing anything, which I believe you can earn with good soft skills investment, I would have picked one specific technical skill that I would classify as more of a hard skill, whether it be learning how to code SQL or JavaScript or learning how to be a Salesforce admin or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I would have just picked something like that to maintain. And I think there's a lot to be said about being an executive or a leader that still has that technical capability. And if I could go back and do it again, that's definitely one thing I would have probably sought out better mentorship to really understand what the next or error was going to be and really focused on one specific hard skill. Yeah. I didn't even know what a mentor was. One, two, when I graduated from college, I graduated with a marketing degree that nobody has ever asked to see. It's still sealed. And marketing is totally different now than it was back then in my day. 
So if I would have paid more attention to computers, I totally agree. I could have picked up something. I didn't even know how to write an email when I graduated, you know, because they didn't teach you those sorts of soft skills, technical writing of sorts, you know, yeah, you took. Yeah, exactly. But unless you were, you know, trying to be a, a publisher or in communications, you know, you really didn't get a lot of classes on that. So I think that's great advice, you know, to your younger self to pick a technical one of them or a couple that you like. I think technically you have to really enjoy it to sit there and code or analyze, you know, business data or, you know, data science or any of that. You have to really enjoy those things. So pick something exactly. you really like and, you know, learn from it for sure. But on the other end, I feel like the 15 years that being in multifamily because I didn't hone my storytelling skills. That's why I'm just now trying to get comfortable with speaking in front of people, even though I enjoy giving presentations, I enjoy meeting, you know, I can talk to anybody. It doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, what position, you know, like I'm the kid that you would get in trouble if you sat next to me because I'm going to be talking to you, you know, type of thing. You're like, you could move me anywhere in the classroom and I'm going to talk to the person next to me. So I feel like those soft skills are still not emphasized enough in our education today or, you know, I look at my niece and my nephews and them standing up to speak in front of people is not their first choice. Yeah. And I, I think it's a really good point, Kimberly. And, you know, one thing that I think I lucked out on it was by no means by design, but I've really been intentional about connecting with people that have, have become mentors of mine. And you can't have more than a couple that are meaningful, but yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on high school students and even college students to kind of know what they're going to want to do in 20 years. And no one can paint that picture super specifically. And I think there's only a few people that, that have, have done that well, you know, that yeah. early on, but Absolutely. I think being able to connect with mentors and people at, at varying levels in their career and, and in different industries to help you understand, you know, what they would do differently if they were your age or understanding what types of experiences they would find most attractive as a hiring manager. Those are the kinds of things that I look forward to being able to hopefully inspire my kids to invest in so that they can feel like there's no pressure to make the right decision early on so they can enjoy growing up, but at the same time feel like they have inspiration and direction coming from kind of outside outside of the family to make sure that they're they're pointed in the right direction yeah absolutely and different industries is a key i like that you said that from different industries is very helpful i came from well one i was a server all the way through college so bartending and waiting tables but before i got into the multifamily space i sold copiers and that was how i learned to cold call and nicely pursue people exactly <laughs> in sales so it was something that i thought i wanted to be a pharmaceutical rep and so i went into uh, copier sales and then ended up in the video production world in the multifamily business so you never know there we go Night and day. Absolutely. Just like you, Nike to, you know, exactly. technology in the apartment space. So exactly. And I did read your last advice about, you know, appreciating your parents more. I thought that was pretty sweet that, you know, you threw that in there to your younger self to be more appreciative yeah, well, more often of your amazing I, parents. <laughs> I look back on how fortunate I was to grow up and to be inspired by my family. And, and I mm -hmm. think we all go through a little bit of a jerk stage, whether we want to admit it or not. And oh, absolutely. I just remember the defiance to my mom and my dad, you know, in high school and things like that to then 
fast forwarding 15 years later and really being able to reflect on just how fortunate I was and I mean, to have a unified mom and dad at the household all through my childhood and who now own a home in Bend just so they can come see their grandkids and spend time with my wife and I, like lots to be grateful for. And I think, you know, you're a product of your surroundings. And when you turn out in a way that that you're thankful and and proud of, I think you have to kind of look back and and understand that that wasn't just you. So definitely owe a lot to my mom and dad for sure. Yes. And your statement of we're all a jerk, whether we like to say we were or remember, I definitely have to ask my best friend and my boyfriend all the time, like, did we do that? And they're like, yes, Kimberly, we all (laughs) did. And whenever my niece and my nephew have some sort of, because I don't have any children, I'm the cool aunt to a lot of niece and nephews. So I like to remind them when they get upset with my brothers and sisters that they should, one, remember that nobody gave our parents a book you know, to how to be a great parent and they're doing the best that they can with what they have and that one day they will have children and will understand and this will be done to them exactly what they're doing to their parents. <laughs> exactly. Well, I feel be like nice. if you can crack the code there, you could, you could figure out that's your next podcast. Series, <laughs> because I think a lot of parents would love to get that insight on how to crack the code. <laughs> there is no cracking. It's constantly evolving. Exactly, I know. You just, yeah, hey, but you said it great about your product of your surroundings and the fact that you're teaching that to your children and that your aware self-awareness is huge and it sounds like you have it. So being self-aware and just showing them that you're appreciative of your parents and things that you do, I feel will rub off. You know, my mom Definitely. was very appreciative of her parents and my dad was, even though they were not married, they were divorced. You know, they showed us how to be equally appreciative and respectful of our, of our grandparents and, you know, adults. So it's definitely something learned by your surroundings. So I agree. Love your advice to your younger self. And I think it will definitely help a lot. Hopefully there are maybe some parents that are listening to this. will share it with some of their children. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I love that. Yes. So how can listeners get a hold of you? That's a fun question. So I love pictures and I love content. So I'm definitely really active personally and professionally on Instagram. I love connecting with colleagues, with partners, with customers, and of course, friends and family. So at Emilberg gets me on Instagram and you can meet my family. You can see me speaking on the industry circuit. You can see me training for running races and triathlons. You can also meet our newest addition to the family. Our daughter just turned three weeks yesterday. Her name's Quinn. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. I also am trying, trying to invest more time in being active on Twitter. I find it to be a pretty interesting medium for, you know, consuming content and also kind of sharing content. So Twitter is a good one for me. Then And then LinkedIn, I definitely take really seriously. So I really enjoy my LinkedIn network and I try to be very active in terms of staying connected with colleagues and business partners to make sure that we're sharing and we're collaborating and that we're also using it as a means to connect with amazing people like you. It's how we found each other. So yeah. I'd say those are, those are going to be the best three for me personally. Well, awesome. Well, I encourage everyone to reach out to you, especially ask you more questions about your Ironmans and triathlons and maybe some additional questions on Nike. Might have another podcast later on Nike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should. Yes. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you again. I I really appreciate your time and allowing me to interview you today. And to all the listeners that want to listen to other episodes, please go to thatkimberly.com to choose how you'd like to listen to me, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, Anchor, 
Amazon Alexa. You could also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. And until next week, stay positive and remember sharing is caring. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you for the opportunity.